firstly, Stephen, thanks very much. Thank you for chatting to me. Uh, okay, so let's start. Let's start back home in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Scottish boy as well. From Largs. <laughs> Largs. Largs. Been there huh? a good few times. I know you must have trained a, a fair Spare amount up. on. Uh, so much time there. At Inverclyde, right? The first time I went there was uh, my dad was doing his, his badges. Right. Okay. And we went as a family. And I can't even remember what it was. It must have been B license or something like that. Yeah. He never really went that high, but you know he's a, a good junior player and sort of semi-professional. And, yeah. He was a coach and we went up there for a summer. Now, I should remember, I think it was 1990, so I was 10, you Gary 10, was 8, yeah. my sister was a baby, yeah, so yeah. it was 1990 because she was born in 89. Right. And um, he was at his course at Lars and we were in a caravan somewhere and it was amazing. It was one of the best wow. holidays we ever had, it was just, just worked out so well. And then obviously I went back a number of times with the Scotland youth and and different reasons and it was just it was I mean at the time it was a difficult place but when yeah, you look yeah. back it was quite a magical place you know it's sort of it's kind of lost a little bit of its yeah, shine it's, it has. it's gone down a little bit but well I think the SFA made the decision to either spend some serious money on it yeah. or to yeah. let it crumble and, yeah. and I think because of the location and how difficult it sort of was to get there. That it it's didn't not make central sense. for everyone as well. It didn't make sense. So when they were looking at that, that, that their base, which they ended up choosing Heriot Watt, yeah. um, they looked at Stirling, they, I guess they thought about yeah. Lars and, and yeah. Heriot Watt and a few others. And it just, the location wasn't right, but it was it was a pretty cool place. The way it was set up in the hill like that. Up the hills and, and yeah. they, they have renoed it all. Are they? Is it a school now? It's a beautiful, uh, there's a school up there on the right hand side, mm. but it's also like a kind of transformed into a massive hotel. Right. So nice. My folks actually live just down the road. Did they? So. Cool. All right, so uh, raised in Stirling. Yeah. What was your local boys club? Uh, I played for North Broomage Colts, a team in Falkirk in Larbor. All right, yeah. So there was a team called Cast Thistle in yeah. Stirling, and um, I actually can't remember any other team in Stirling at the time. And so that was an option, and for some reason, can't even tell you a story, it was so long ago, but we ended up, we went, I went to North Broomage uh, right. when I was about 10 to the U11s, and, um, and my brother was which always seemed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> he was kicking the ball inside the park, and they're like, oh, he's pretty good as well. We'll take him in. He was eight. So we played for North Brewers as a first So you played together on the same, even, even though the age difference? Yeah, well, he was eight, I was ten. Ten, yeah. Uh, he never played. He, he was sub. He yeah, got yeah. the odd minutes and yeah. that, but he was eight years old. It was yeah. ridiculous. And, um, and that was it. And it was a great little, you know, real community club. Great people. Um, you know, the coach would come through and pick us up or yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the dads, my dad would take us and we'd, we'd carpool with a couple of people and that. it was just, it was fantastic, I really loved it and I was there for maybe, yeah, two or three years. Two or three years? Yeah. Were you always a defender or? No, I was a midfielder, yeah. I was a striker maybe even way back then. Right. Scored a lot of goals and that, sort of attacking midfielder, striker and then... You hear that a lot actually, a yeah. lot of players start off as strikers and yeah. then slowly migrate. <laughs> well, I mean, I was one of the best players, you know, <laughs> yeah. so... Put me up there to get to get goals, and um, I could get them back then. I started getting less and less goals, and yeah. dropping back and back. I went into midfield. I think maybe about 12. Started to realise, you know, I was pretty all-round midfield. I was skinny back then. I could yeah. run all day, and I was yeah. had a bit of ability and stuff. And um, and then I think maybe when I, I think 
think Celtic were the first team. I used to go to Hearts and Hibs and yeah, yeah. Dundee and Rangers and Celtic. And I think Celtic were the first team at maybe 12 that were saying you should play centre half. Right. And my nose was out of joint because I thought I was a, oh, really? a talented midfielder, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they seen it even back then and uh, I started going, you know, 12, 13, 14 and, and I was, everybody was starting to say to me, you're going to be a centre half, it's fine, play midfield yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. get your touches, get your composure and blah, blah, yeah. blah, but you're going to be a centre half. You know? yeah, I started as centre midfielder and then they pushed me into right back right and left back because I was quick. <laughs> right. And then quick and small, yeah. but four, five foot four. Right. And then uh, when I shot up at 15, 16, yeah. they were like, centre half. <laughs> Stay there. <laughs> so that happens, Don't go that. over the halfway line. <laughs> so uh, what, did you start to get scouted then by teams? Or did yeah. you, was it a natural thing to start to... Because at that time, yeah. players either went to Scottish clubs or they went down south. Yeah, right? yeah. a lot of players stayed in Scotland, to be honest. Yeah. Um, just because it was simple and... Whatever. Um, and we, I think we first got scouted by Hearts. I played for Hearts, and there was a guy called Scott Gibson, uh, who's still a good family friend. My brother still speaks to him, they say, once a month. My dad and him were friendly, and, and Scott was a Hearts scout at the time. Um, and he took me to Hearts when I was 10 or 11. It was, it was my first club. Right. I went to uh, Brockville to the Astroturf yeah, there, which yeah. is mo- was mostly this kind of central location for all these teams yeah. at Highland Turf. And then I sort of got into Dundee United, and maybe a little bit later Celtic Rangers started to, to come. And I, I played with Celtic a few times, but I never really, I went to Rangers, I went sort of more to Rangers as I got like 13, 14. And my brother, for some reason, just kind of went more to Celtic at that time, and it was it was just a preference thing and sure. whatever. And, um, what was your what was your boyhood club trying? Celtic was really. Celtic well, my, my, my mum's family were were Arden Celtic supporters. Right. They'd, they'd go to the well, games. I won't hold that against you. <laughs> they'd run like a supporters bus. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, we used yeah. to go in cars way back in the day. Yeah. So the first yeah. team I ever watched was Celtic at Arden. Yeah. And yeah. It is all about that, right? The, the first. Uh, it's wherever your uncle, your brother, your aunt, your dad takes exactly. you to your first game. Yeah. We. My dad was a sort of Rangers guy. He was Fickle Inn, which is a, a pit town in yeah, the yeah. Rangers and but my dad was a was a player, he was a sportsman, he, he wasn't a supporter. Right. So that was really important to note that because that's how we became just sure. players, you know. We were never really you know, this we went to Hamden our first game and or yeah. my, I don't know if Gary was even there, maybe he was too young. I walk up the steps and I look at I think we served at Motherwell in the League Cup semi and oh well, that was it. I was, was captivated. Yeah. I was like You're the hooked. likes yeah. The noise, the hairs in the back of my neck stand up talking about it now. I just like, yeah. I want to be a football player. I'm, I'm, I know it. Where know? do you stand on the Hamden versus Murrayfield? As, uh, as a former internationalist as well. Well, the problem is when we renovated Hamden, we didn't do it properly. Yeah. We didn't foresee what stadiums had to be like, you yeah. know, and we should have. So that was a big mistake because I don't think Hamden is an ideal stadium no. with that big no. semicircle and that. It doesn't work. but. To me, it's still happening. It yeah. needs to stay. It's so. got the memories and the, men- the sentimentality. Yeah, we keep it. Murray feels a rugby stadium. I'm a bit traditional when it comes to stuff like that. And yeah. It's a great stadium, but yeah. Hamden's a national stadium. Yeah. I would rather see if we decide to move away from Hamden. Build I think a brand should, new one? Uh, I think we should go on the road. Or go on the road, should, yeah. Uh, I mean, Murrayfield, Rangers, Celtic, wherever. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a fan game. of that one. 
tour around, go yeah. to Aberdeen, Aberdeen Horseheads, Rangers, Celtic. I, I got one of my caps at Aberdeen yeah. against Estonia, and it was a, it was a brilliant night yeah. because it was Estonia. Hamden would have been half full. Yeah. We went up to Aberdeen, the people were happy for Scotland to be up there. Packed up stadium, stadium, great night. Yeah. You know, I'm, so I'm a big fan of touring it around, but um, if you keep Hamden and you commit to it, you're going to have to think about making it a truly modern stadium in the next decade, I'd say. Yeah. So eventually, you did you had trials with Leeds, Aston Villa, yeah. Man U, yeah. all those guys, but you chose Newcastle. What, yeah. what was it about Newcastle? Was it the, the Scottish connection with the youth coaches, like Tom Craig and um, well, Irvine? Back, and stuff? back then, it wasn't that. It was, um, again, again, I'm a man of like, habit and stuff, and, and the first one I went to was Newcastle. Right. And I went to Newcastle because, again, Scott Gibson had a close connection with a guy called John Laidlaw. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and John asked me to come because Scott said you need to get this guy down there even though he's your hearts and yeah. this guy's very good get him down there and I went with my best friend in the world a guy called Lee Barrett uh, Gary Mason played a lot of football yeah. um, Andy Porteous I think his name was he never really developed but he was a was he not at Partick for a while? was he? he was I think a, he went to Partick for a while when he was 13 and 14 he was like really good top drawer um, I think we were only one other guy, I can't remember who it is, that's terrible. But I went with a great group of guys, I had a great week, yeah. they were older than me, I looked up to them, you know, they were they were sort of, Gary Mason was a guy that I wanted to be sure. because of his qualities and, yeah. and stuff, and like I said, I struck up a friendship with, with Lee Barrett, who is still my best friend, and one of my best friends in the world to this day, and I just got a feeling, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm a guy who like likes to kind of work on intuition yeah yeah i didn't know that then but i realize it now yeah. about myself that i just get this like weird little feeling i'm like this is right yeah yeah i kept going back there my mum and dad are like they didn't love it because they thought it was disorganized yeah. and they're like go here go there or sort of trying to push me in other directions because uh, we were everywhere we went to chelsea we went to yeah. manu we went we literally went it's like a little tour of all the we wanted to try them all um, and again gary had his Liverpool and Leeds were strong with guys when I never went to Liverpool Leeds was like that I don't even think I went to Leeds actually but Chelsea liked me Man U liked me um, Newcastle really liked me sure. and I, we always wanted to go to, to the Premier League so sure. uh, in the end I just I sing for them So did you uh, did you persuade them to, to take Gary as well or was it kind of a package deal? Well it was the same kind of thing same like, kind I'm of playing thing. a game Where he Gary's kicking around at the yeah. side of the pitch <laughs> And it's, the coach is like, he's alright. He's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> is he younger? So it was that same kind of scenario where uh, my dad would always tell Gary, when I'm when Stevens play, take your boots. You never know if somebody never does not. it or not. Yeah. I tell my boys the same thing, you know. Always but take your boots. Take your boots. You, they might you need someday. Know. You get a game. So it was that kind of scenario. We were in Newcastle for the weekend. Uh, they sort of see Gary. They knew about him and that, and Scott was pushing them. By this point, Scott came to Newcastle as yeah, yeah. chief uh, Scottish scout, and then, and Gary then started coming to Newcastle. But Gary had all his other leads were really keen on him. Liverpool were li- really yeah, keen yeah. on him, um, and he was really debating where to go. But I think probably because I was there, and that, sure. he, he chose that. So uh, Newcastle was my club, so. I'll... Right. Apologies if I seem a little biased in this one. Uh, talk about your debut. Uh-huh. You marked George Weah out of yeah. the game against Man City. Phenomenal. How did that feel? Oh. How, did, how did it feel to mark a president out of the game? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's crazy. absolutely crazy. Um, 
it was a tough time at Newcastle because yeah. we had a great youth team. We had Brian Kerr and Gary, me, yeah, some great players. Dave McMahon, yeah. uh, who played with Ireland youth. We had some, some really solid players and we then to get to that next step was really difficult because we were signing five, six million pound players and yeah. there was actually a point where they released me and I was devastated. Um, and Tommy was there, Tommy Craig was, was my mentor and he loved me and he was so committed to me and he said just stay calm like you're playing it, I think I was playing at Villa Park in a reserve game on the Monday, he said they released me on the Friday, it was, it was this quick and the Monday I was playing at Villa Park, he said I spoke to David Moyes at Preston and yeah. three or four guys were going to be their actual managers. And so was that, that wasn't before your move to, to Sunderland then? That was just before was I even before played. He, wow. Right. So I'm going, I'm out, and, um, and he got all these guys there, and the next day I got a few offers, bids, Preston bid for me, or there was a few like, we'll take him, we'll take him, and Newcastle, uh, oh wait a sec, like, yeah. they basically said he's not for sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I went back and said, well, you know, you basically released me in two months, three months' time. Yeah. They'd say that was done at the end of the year, you yeah, know, yeah. end of the season. And, um, and that was a big turning point because I guess Bobby or whatever seen someone of me or woke up to someone and then I started to get on a little bit or, or get in pre-season and get in yeah. a couple of squads. I was obviously in a squad before, but this must have been before Bobby because I was in a squad with, with Hullet. With Hullet. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I started to get really close. I'm at Main Road and um, Andy Griffin got injured. Yeah. And so we put must have been, I never went on a right back, maybe Andy O'Brien came to right back, I went in the centre half, yeah. or Laurel Charvet, I can't even remember, but George Ware's playing and it's like, we're 1-0 up, yeah. it was 0-0 at the time, we ended up winning 1-0, Shearer scored, yeah. and it was just amazing, you know, I, I played well, but... Was that at St James's? No, it was at Main Road. That was at Main Road. So I played the game, played against George Ware, he was, yeah. he was losing it a little bit in terms of his talent, thank well, God. I he was still. He wasn't yeah, the George Weah no, of AC yeah. Milan days or, or PSG, but he was still George Weah. He's still George a great player. He's George Weah, and, and it was it was a great experience just to be out there. And a stadium like Main Road as well was yeah. was phenomenal. We won one 0 I had a really good block, which was you know what I kind of prided myself on defending yeah. and being that guy. And, um, and it was everybody was kind of cheering me at the end of the game and that, and, sure. and, and, and gave me real confidence. And to get back on the bus and like to watch the sale match of the day for the first time is just like it's crazy, right? It's a crazy feeling, and you know you're desperate for it to come on. And my block was on the highlights, and so did they did they talk about you on that? On it? No, on that I don't day. think they talked about me at the end of the game. I, I can't remember because that must be a surreal moment as well yeah. when they when they start talking about you and yeah. on a match of the day. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's Hanson and. Uh, Hanson, was it Hanson during that time, Han- or was, Hanson it, was, here. or was it before that? Was no, it Jimmy Hill? No, it was Hanson, I'm sure Hanson. it was Hanson. Yeah. yeah, it must have been Hanson, because Hanson was, had the famous one with the man you kids, yeah. didn't he? Well, yeah. I was younger than him, so it was, yeah. he was a man. Um, and then, when you start to get, you know, every step, you start to get blasey. Of course. Kind of man. But that, the first days are like, you're so, on cloud nine. You know? So, you, you came under, you, you came to Newcastle yeah. when it was Kenny Douglas, yeah. and then he left, and Ruth Miller uh-huh. came in, yeah. and then he left uh, after a kind of weird start to the, one of the seasons, and then Bobby came in. What was the light playing for Bobby Robson? That, that must have been 
it was amazing. I, 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 I wish I'd appreciated it a little bit more at the time. Yeah. But I was a very driven young man. I wanted to play every week, and yeah. I felt like I wasn't getting the chances sure. that I deserved. You know, um, everybody feels like that. Everybody wants their games. That's our attitudes. That's that's how we like get to where we get. So I understand it completely now. But yeah. at the time, Bobby and I would would. Uh, very respectfully clash quite a lot you know yeah. I mean I was a, I was you just a, wanted to play I wanted to play yeah, and I wanted them to give me answers why I was to play you know and sure. he couldn't really give me answers because he just felt I was a little bit below the level right but he loved me as a guy you know and I completely appreciate that now. and he was actually spot on his analysis because I wasn't capable of playing in that top 16 you know well you were going in alongside the likes of like Albert or those kind of guys? Uh, it was the end of Steve Howie Steve when Howie. I was there. Albert had gone, but it was like um, Aaron Hughes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy O'Brien, Titus Bramble, yeah. and then and like then there was Alan Gomez and, Gomez and, and, uh, and Shabby. Yeah. So there was a lot of the guys who, no disrespect to them, I thought that they're okay, but they're not. They weren't they're much better. Quality and I was a young lad, and I had yeah. potential to get better, and I yeah. thought they could have like pushed me in there and then we bought Woodgate so Woody became the undoubted number one one of the best players I ever played with and then there was a real battle between OB OB came in yeah. so that was an issue because he was like a million and a half and he jumped ahead of me but there was a lot between OB and myself there were different attributes yeah. OB was quick and read the game but it was it was a no disrespect not a tremendous leader not one of my mates but we were like that it was a preference and it was Titus, and Titus could be amazing or it could be a shambles. Yeah. So it was. So I remember those. He days. made mistakes, you yeah. know. But and so we were all competing. We had different attributes, different skills, and I just thought that I could have got a, more of a chance than I got. Sure. You know, I, I was always like the last option. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's just a preference thing, and the more the, the older you get, more experience you get, you realise that everybody can play. You just have a. Have yeah, a liking there's only player. 11 players you can put on the field at one time so. Aye, so I thought that Woody and I had a good partnership and I'd like to have played more, more games with him when we played together we were pretty we complimented everybody Woody complimented everybody because he was a brilliant player he was a great player brilliant yeah. player um, and then it got to a point where Bobby and I were like clashing and I nearly went to Sporting uh, Lisbon as we really? used to call them right? call them Sporting Portugal yeah. uh, we were nearly went to Lisbon uh, which would have been a great move. Hugo Viana came to us the season before. Right, yeah. I guess he was still watching him, whatever, and he liked me, my contract was up, and it really developed to the point where, you know, I was on a short list of like two or three, um, where South America and someone else, and I was very excited. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to go Well, look at, like, Ryan Goldwyn there, and uh, yep. Eric Dyer was there. Yeah, yeah, he was there. Did wonders for yep. his career, yeah. Uh, okay, so, so. You got released by Newcastle. You went to Sunderland. Yeah. Why Sunderland? Did you find it? Did you find you got a lot of slack for going to Sunderland after Newcastle? Um, not really. Not really. Actually. I think because that, of the circumstances. Because you were released. So I was at Newcastle six or seven years. Yeah. I gave it a right go. I waited at times I shouldn't have waited. You know, I really like tried my utmost to break in. Yeah. And I was coming up to 24, and I'm like, right. I played 35 games, you know, I need to start. Something's got to give. Yeah. That's old for, yeah, for yeah. a guy with, you know, with less than 50 games. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, 
I need to go find somewhere. I'm going to decide right now that wherever I go, if I know in my career, I'm going to play. So, where could I play? Okay, I still think I'm a Premier League player, but they're not like bashing in the door, bidding for me or trying to get me. I'm probably a, a championship player at this point. Yeah. I'd been on loan in Bradford and Leeds. I'd been at Blackpool. Yeah. I did great League One, so I'd like say, okay, I'm better League One kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm a championship guy. Um, then I actually signed a pre-contract with Sunderland because I was I, I signed that extension at Newcastle after Sporting Lisbon fell through, and I had to take shit money and. I took a bit of shit time because Bobby was, he, I don't know if he was pissed off or whatever, but he was kind of done with me, he pushed yeah. me right to the side. Yeah. So Leeds came up uh, in the January, or Sunderland was a discussion, Mick was great, I liked Mick, I thought I could learn from Mick, I loved the area, I didn't yeah. really want to leave, and Sunderland were a massive club, to me yeah. they were a Premier League club, yeah. they were going to get back up, they had just missed it in the playoffs. Uh, to Palace, they yeah, got to the, did they get to the final semis of the semis. FA Cup? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, this is a great bridge club to, yeah. between Prem and Championship. Um, and I signed a pre-contract with Mick, and we were trying really hard to make that move permanent in January. And Mick was haggling for the money or whatever it was going to take. And Newcastle were rejecting it for whatever reason, because I wasn't in the picture. And then on deadline day, Leeds came up, literally out right. of the blue, Premier League, bottom of the league or whatever, but Premier League. Yeah. And I'm like, I've got to go. So I spoke to Sunderland, I'm like, I'm taking this, you know, you can't get yeah. it done, I'm going to Leeds. Yeah. Newcastle were a bit, Everton came in for a loan bid as well, Moisey always kind of liked me, came in, yeah. uh, Bobby wouldn't want to go, again, he was asking for like 100 grand loan, just back then, Strange, and I was yeah. like, a squad player at best. Yeah. And I went crazy at um, So anyway, I said, I'm going to Leeds. Like, I basically forced the move through by being, yeah. by learning how these things get done. And yeah. I was naive, well, not naive, I was a very professional lad. Sure. So I just took things and got on with it, gave my best. And so I had to say a few choice things to Bobby, like, I need to go, or you're getting this, 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 you know. So in the end, Bobby's like, let the lad go. I went to Leeds. And, brilliant decision because I got to play, I learned so much, yeah. played with some brilliant players, yeah. learned a little bit more about the intricacies and the difficulties of like dressing rooms and team squads that are a bit, a bit up in the air um, yeah. and I knew I was going to Sunderland in the summer so I was kind of preparing myself to then go and play full time sure. when that came up as well. Right. So uh, <coughs> you've, you partnered with Gary Breen. Yeah. Who was touted to go into Inter Milan, wasn't he? After he was, the after yeah. the World Cup. Yeah. But he failed a medical, or he he debates that he failed the medical. Right. right? So what, what was it like at that time, partnering with Gary? And yeah. Like you guys formed a really good partnership mm-hmm. in the centre of defence. What was that like? So I I got to Sunderland and Mick is the toughest manager in the world to play for a few centre half. Yeah. He is. There's, there's no bullshit. Well, he was not a bad one himself. He was a great centre half. He's a tough man. He's yeah. an honest man. Yeah. He's a difficult man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love him, and I can say that because he taught me so much. But I get there, and it was like a real different experience for me. I think one of the first conversations I had with him was like, "Gary brings me a centre half in this league, and you're going to have to just play next to him. You know, yeah, yeah. he plays on the right." Schubert used to play on the left because he's in the right because he's the best centre half in the league, you know. And I was a bit like, 
all right, you know, because I kind of yeah. needed confidence at that time. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was not a first team player. I was yeah. a guy who had played some games here, there, and, and everywhere. And I'm like, okay, and I had a, quite a difficult pre-season. Yeah. And we went in the opening game, and I'm on the bench. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I left. Who was in next to Gary? It was. Uh, Clarky, what was his first name? Oh, Clark Hollow? No, um, Ben Clark, was it Ben? Oh, Ben Clark. Do you remember him? No. He was a young lad, young summer lad. Never didn't, played that Didn't really do it. Well, we, we moved him on and right. couldn't get a chance, he went a bit lower. And, but Ben Clark was playing next to Brini and I'm like, oh, this, I never came for this, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the game went, came and went, we lost 2 0, thank God. And then the next game, I went into Mick. I think we were playing crew at home. Yeah. And I went into Mick. And I said, I never came here to sit on the bench. Yeah. Um, well, and I said, put me in there. I'm here to play. He put me in, played in the left. And Brini and I just went for strength to strength with that. Well, it was teething problems for all, the whole team. Because we're a new team. Stephen Elliott, Liam Lawrence, Dean Whitehead. And yeah, yeah. We, had these, we had these young... Premier League guys and some lower league guys and we all came together at like 24 yeah yeah a good, a good squad back then wasn't it great squad yeah. Marcus Stewart Marcus Stewart uh, Ryan Dean um, Pumi yeah Myra Stevie Wright Bridges Michael came a bit later because uh, he was he came on loan to us uh, we, I think we signed him for uh, Leeds well, you, went, you went to Leeds when yeah. you went to Newcastle yeah. right yeah so we went for strength to strength he was a brilliant player Brini he was yeah he was very, very talented. He, he could switch you off his stuff, but yeah, yeah. we were a good partnership again because I was wholehearted. Yeah. Um, we, 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 we had a good little blend, and I sort of, even though I was 24 years old, I, I kind of kept Brini in check. Brini was a captain, but sure. he taught me so much about position and, and how you go about things. But we were, um, but I wasn't scared to like tell people even yeah. back then. You know, I could tell people when I was like 19, 20. That was just in my nature, but. Brina and I were like end up being good pals and like a really good partnership. Just like everybody in that team was. We were a very accountable team. There was no but Mick created that environment. Yeah. You'd come in at the end, it'd be like, where are you? And where are you? And it was like literally guys are like nearly yeah. fighting every single half time and, and wow. full time. Full time's less so because we win a lot of games, but it was um, yeah. intense. I love that. It was a bit of a roller coaster three years, right? Like you, yeah. you got promotion from the championship yeah. into the Premier League, yeah. got relegated from the Premier League to the championship, yeah. and you, got, you went back up again, right? I never went back up. You never went back I up. Left you, in the you moved. They went back up. They went back up. Why, why do you think that was? Why, why was it so? What, was it because of that? Because it was a club in transition. Uh, brilliant championship team. Once we got going, yeah. Great team spirit. Great accountability. Tough tough team then we signed seven or eight guys we signed uh, Tommy Miller yeah. uh, Kelvin Davies we signed a guy called uh, Basias a French midfielder Vitalik but you let go of Stuart John Stead you let go of Stuart Dean Bridges all in one summer do you think that was the I often notice when teams go up into the, yeah. the Premier League the ones that seem to falter are the ones that just simply can't score goals it sounds yeah. it sounds pretty simple yeah. but do you think that was a, a problem selling those guys um, in fairness to the club or to Mick the guys had 
did their job, did their you know. Job, yeah. I'm not sure that Marcus Stewart at that age, and he was a brilliant player and he had an amazing season with a scored goals in the Premier League yeah. in that team. Um, Bridgie, maybe. My point is, we never had a lot of money. Right. We had, let's say, we had 10 million to spend, and Mick spent on seven or eight players. I would have bought two players yeah. that were really good yeah. that you couldn't argue, like Stubbs came in as well. Stubbs came in, yeah. You couldn't argue that Stubbs had a terrible time. He left back for Everton in January. And you couldn't argue he was better than me or Brini. You couldn't argue that John Stead was better than Bridget or Marcus Stewart. Yeah. They weren't improvements. They no. Were just... they were, and and they, they affected the team spirit. Sure. Um, and they should have went and got two guys or three guys, whatever they could afford, that were like, okay. This guy plays, this guy is. And in fairness to Tommy Miller and Kelvin, they were excellent championship players. Yeah, yeah. They did amazing yeah. seasons. And, and Kelvin went on to have a great career at Southampton. After that, it just never fit somehow. Like, so there's something different about playing in the Northeast. It's, yeah. it's hard to put your finger on you. You need to be a special type of personality and they need to take to you right away. And when, you're, when you cost a few quid, your first gate, I saw it with John Dal Thomason. Who more pro, more was a brilliant uh, yeah, player. Yeah, great player. Newcastle. He missed chances in his yeah. first game. Yeah. He just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And he went AC Milan and wherever he went, he was yeah. a brilliant player. Well, Viana did the same, right? Viana was Newcastle. Which never really happened. Didn't yeah. have the attributes or the personality that they fans yeah. like, you yeah. know? So so we signed a few guys like that. We, we pissed off some of our like, established guys. And the team spirit started to fracture. And like anything, when your team spirit fractures and there's insecurity, everybody starts to get selfish and look for their, okay, what do I need here? Yeah. That, and that you are screwed when that happens. So I was probably one of them. Like, oh right, okay, I'm at the team a lot here for Stubbs and yeah. Danny Collin, different guys. Like, okay, what's my next steps? Where am I going to go? How am I going to yeah. and then, and revitalise then, my career? You know. And then Roy Keane came in and. And then Roy came, so we got relegated. We, we were actually alright, honestly. We, we couldn't score goals. Yeah. We, we never, I don't think we got battered once. We were losing games 2 1 and yeah. really quite close, but we couldn't score yeah. goals. We, we, we couldn't, like, when we did score goals, we couldn't defend. It was like one of them, I might lost 3 2 at Spurs. So we scored two goals away at Spurs, but we lost 3 that day. You know, yeah. it was just an unlucky season. We were, we were short of quality. And then we started that next season shambles again in the championship. Quinny yeah. took it because he was trying to get Sam Allardyce by all accounts. Well, Quinny just bought the club, didn't he? Quinny bought the club, brought in Bobby, took the reins just while he was trying to get the right man. Yeah. I think they went for Sam and a few kind of big hitters and um, eventually went Roy came. Yeah. And Roy was difficult. Um, I was injured at the time, which didn't help. I was club captain, I was injured. Um, then I got in the team, things started to change a little bit, and then the January came and uh, Roy and I had a little falling out because I never had a contract, my wife was pregnant, yeah. I needed... You need security? I needed security, yeah. or I needed at least word that I was kind of the guy that, yeah. you know, to take him forward, and either he never thought that or he was pissed off what I'd done, I don't know. Whatever, it's, it's water under a bridge, but that was it, I was gone. So then you, uh, from there you went to, you went to Burnley, but you went on transfer deadline, like January t- transfer deadline. What, what is that, what is that like for a player to go through? Yeah. Is it, is it stressful that yeah. day? Yeah, it's, it's very tough. Right. 
Um, my wife was pregnant, yeah. so that was a big issue for me. My son was born in June, so she was like four or five months, five months pregnant. Now, yeah. uh, and I'd been talking to so so Roy called me out one day. I was in the supermarket and he's like, you know, I'm letting you go. Go and talk to. Um, I think it was Burnley. I've accepted an offer from Burnley. Go and talk to him. So I was like, this guy's three days ago. He was telling me I was he wasn't going anywhere, you know. And I'm like, great, that's all I want to hear. Yeah. So that was a shock, and I didn't really want to leave Sunderland. It's probably the only club I didn't actually want to yeah. leave. Yeah. Every other one was time to go. Right. Um, and okay, I've got to Burnley, and I went met Steve Cotterell and the staff, and I went for like this training ground that was millions of pounds. And, Stadium that was fantastic to Burnley. Yeah, was it was Sunderland in the stadium alive for that? Yeah, they were. Just, stadium alive. Just moved in. No, we'd been in really well. Oh, we were. Like three or four years, I'd say. Right. And I get to Burnley, and the office is like tagged on the corner of the stadium. And yeah. It's like, Night and day. To me, it was a shock. I was yeah. like, okay, but I liked Steve, and I liked his vision. He's, he's a good manager. He is he's a underrated. Good manager. He's a good man. He's an yeah. intense man. Yeah. He's got a great heart. I'm surprised he didn't really go go into one of the bigger clubs. He's he's, he's a tough man. He's got great ideas, but he's so intense. Yeah. And he won't listen to anybody. So eventually, these things start happening within yeah. the squad, you know. But he's done great. He's done great at Bristol. He's yeah. like he's a good coach. And but he's, do you think? Um, there's certain managers who, like players, find a level, so they're they're better championship managers than they are Premier League managers. Or uh, like Mick McCarthy's one, where you look at it and you think, if you if you're in the championship, he's a man. Mick McCarthy's one of the top three candidates you have on the list. Yeah. Right. Because you know that he'll do a job there. It depends what you're trying to build. Yeah. You know, are you trying to get the championship to get in the Prem? Yeah. Or are you trying to build? Yeah. Are you trying to like evolve as a club? Are you trying to get with the modern times? Yeah. No disrespect to Mick or any of these guys. But Neil Warnock's a great example. Neil Warnock. Yes. Uh, Sam, Sam is now becoming that example. Yeah. Um, even somebody who's a way more refined, like a Roy Hodgson, who's yeah. he is what he is. He's not going to be a top four manager because no. he can't win you the league, but he can get a lot of uh, a reasonably average group. You yeah. know. So. I think that Steve was was pretty good. He wasn't a great man manager, and he 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 he, he micromanaged a lot of things. He couldn't delegate. So yeah. in the end, like you burn out when you're like that. You need yeah. to be confident. You got the right staff, the right captain, the right people in, in, in charge. And I love Steve. Like he, 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 if it wasn't through his perseverance, I wouldn't have made like the best move in my career because mm. I didn't let it go. Yeah. I looked at that club and I'm like. This is a downwards career move. I'm driving at Burnley the day after I sign. I sign at like, you know, 10 minutes to 12. And I get in the car and I drive down there. And I'm, I'm actually thinking in my head, like, my career's, you know, i got a good contract here, but my career's, like, yeah. sort of done. You know, like, I'm, I, I, I'm in the championship. I've joined a team that I think they're in the middle of a 17 game losing streak. Yeah. Or a, a streak with winning a game. No, yeah. no losing every game, but drawing yeah, yeah. or losing. And I came into like a situation where you know, we had a lot of players that weren't good enough, we 
and I went just because of him, just yeah. because he wouldn't get up, he just kept going and going and going, and I kept sort of adding a little bit, oh, I need this, I need that, so then they want to go, and eventually he's like, I can get you that, I can get you this, I can get you that, I thought, so in the end I sort of got to like 9 or 10 p.m. that night, and I'm like, I need to sign, you know? So I signed, thank God, again, a little bit of some intuition or luck or whatever just made me think, this, is the, right, goal, this is the right one. It's going to be hell yeah. at yeah. Sunderland because Roy was done with me. And when Roy's done me, there's no going back. And yeah. uh, it, like I say, it's the best move I ever made. You, uh, so you were under Carl for a while and then Owen Coyle came in. Yeah. And, and then eventually Brian Laws. Yeah. What, what was it like with Coyle and Laws? Uh, They're different characters. Yeah, Coyle took us to his level he, he set up all the great structure of the team he yeah. signed a lot of the, the, the top players that ended up winning the, the playoff final and then it hit that point where he pissing off the board and, you know he, he's not getting the best out of players and we're yeah. sort of underperforming it was time for a change and he leaves he goes and Coyle comes in yeah. and obviously I knew and not personally but I, I knew who he was I, he was playing Scotland all his life and a yeah. Scottish guy and he played for Ireland but Scottish Scottish guy and I was like okay this could be good and at the start it was kind of weird he was feeling things out he had just came he played in England but he never managed in England and um, and then we started to get rolling you know and they're like okay this is it so it was like the perfect combination of Steve Cottrell's structure and balance and Owen's man management Owen was a brilliant man manager he was um, no it's fine he was outstanding at like getting the best out of people. He yeah. was outstanding at gaining confidence to players. Something that Steve was the great at. Sure. But Steve gave us that discipline and that shape and, and brought in some fantastic players and then couldn't really like maximise their potential, you know. Yeah. And Owen then just well had like a Wade Elliott or a whoever. Owen then just tapped into that what he had and got the best out of him. Yeah. It was a magical time for Owen. He, he, he was just Anything he touched kind of turned to go. Eagles came in, Patterson came in. Yeah. Some good players. We were like, ah. yeah, yeah. And you just knew it was coming because yeah. Owen would just tell us we could beat anybody. Yeah. We had cup runs, you know, we got to semis of the League Cup, we got to the last 16 of the FA Cup, we, we waited to play our final, we were playing the same guys every week. We just had everything that was needed to be successful and we had guys at the frame. And I always say, when you... The people that played for Burnley had no other place to go. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't choose to go down. You didn't choose, choose to go to Burnley. Yeah. You ended up there, and you so, ended up there at different points. So know? how does it feel? How does it feel now seeing the club where it is? That did so yeah. well in the Premiership last season. They're in Europe this yeah. year. How does it feel as a former player of Burnley now looking at that, thinking, I remember when it was yeah. week two days, and it feels. It makes me really proud because I know we started it. You we know? started it, yeah. And I know that because I was a captain and I'm privileged in that and I knew we shouldn't be saying this, I don't know if it was the record, but I know we nearly like went out of existence that yeah. season. Like Brendan Flood paid the wages out of his own bank account three yeah. times in a month, three months in the season. Yeah. So if we never won that game, I don't know what would have happened to Burnley. They, yeah. they certainly would they be around in the championship. You look yeah. at what teams spend in the championship. Yeah. Burnley would be nowhere near that. Yeah. And yeah, they might get a group of players that would be successful. That can always happen in the championship, but they wouldn't be where they are. And, yeah. and that makes me proud. And, and I love that club probably more than any other, just because of the 
the people and the, the yeah. sort of romanticism of the club. It's just it's just a special place. It feels like a family club, doesn't it? It feels like everyone is pulling together. There's all there's all prima donnas. No, you can't. You don't go there if you're you prima donna, or you don't last. Yeah. You can't. You you, you get in there in October and you open that. You know, you just change the stadium back then. Now they have a wonderful training ground. That, yeah. Again, we we help build. That team yeah. helped build because it was the legacy of that team and the money of that. The success of exactly getting that up. made them go right. Yeah. Okay, we just spend this money on and this and the right things yeah. great decisions by you know the front office or whatever we call it now, and like the board the directors of that yeah. and we started all that so it's like you open that door in the old stadium the wind would blow down yeah, and yeah. you're like oh. and you know the other teams think that so you get great strength for that feeling like we know what it's going to be like you're driving in your car you know what it's going to be like yeah. they come off the bus and they like See that they don't want to. Like, yeah. They don't want. They don't want to be there. No. I just want to win. I just want to like get by and win. Yeah. And once you go like start playing like, oh, against a team who are like we're ready for these. We're going to do this. We're going to do yeah, that. Yeah. Owens in your ear saying, "You're yeah. better than them. You can you beat can these guys. Yeah. You can beat Chelsea. Yeah. You can beat them. They're only men. You say no things like that. And once you set enough to players, you brainwash them. We start to think, and we are good players. Yeah. We start to think, we'll beat them. If we do it right, if we play our best, we'll beat them. Yeah. We did. So you played with a lot of good players back then in those days. Yeah. What, is there any that stand out in particular? Um, Jay Rodriguez, those guys? Jay was a superb young player. I'll never forget the first time I saw Chris McCann and Jay Rodriguez train. Yeah. Jay was 17. Yeah. Skinny as anything. He was training and he went flying in on somebody like a aggressive little lad. Yeah. And I remember thinking, God, and he was timid and quiet then, and to watch him develop his career and, and to help him through that was amazing. McCann was an outstanding midfielder. Yeah. He's had a great career, but he had a few bad injuries that kind of changed the player he was. I thought he was going to be like a Gary Speed, you know, yeah. scored 10, 15 goals a year and getting in the box. He kind of changed. And Came a little bit more bit reserved. more defensive and yeah, reserved yeah. and obviously he's having a great time in Atlanta yeah. could win an MLS Cup so yeah. I'm pleased to play for my brother at Wigan um, who else way there one of my favourite players in, that I've ever played with just a smart football player good at everything Graham Alexander I don't think I've got more respect for anybody else in the game than Graham Alexander he, so, he was very underrated even for Scotland he Brilliant player, honestly, mate. Technically great. Good manager, man. No pace, I know. Um, midfield or right back. Yeah. Like, that season we went up, he played, I think he played every game. Yeah. I think he came off in one game for 20 minutes. I might be wrong on that, but yeah. when I hear these guys now, especially in MLS and on the travel, and they played like 20 games and they're saying they're tired. The guy was 38 yeah. every game. Yeah. If you asked him to miss a day's training, he'd have looked at you like you were stupid. So that's, a, that's a question I wanted to ask you. Is, there's a lot of talk about the Premiership and the quality of the Premiership and the difficulty of playing 30, uh, 38 games in the Premiership. But in the Championship, you play 46, yeah. 46 plus the Cup games, plus, the, plus all the Cup games, plus the lower, league, yeah. the lower rounds of the Cup yeah. games. So you could play 60 odd games. You played 62. 62 games. Yeah. So what what is harder for a player? Is it playing the championship and playing that volume of games, or uh-huh. playing in the Premiership and you're playing the intensity of the 38 yeah. games in the Premiership? Well, it depends how you look at it. If you're talking about quality, 
obviously a Premier League's happening. Of course. Yeah. And the difference about the Championship is that you have to find a way to win games when they're ugly as hell, you know? Yeah. Because you, you turn up at Barnsley, it's a January night and a Tuesday, and you're exhausted because you played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for about six weeks. Yeah. And you look at each other, and if you have a good bunch of guys, you go, right, okay, we've got to get this done. Yeah. And it's going to be ugly. And we're going to just this. grind at it. Yeah. And I had that at Birmingham, and I, I had it at Sunderland, I had it at Birmingham this season. We, we should have won the playoffs, but we never. And what happens is the game's shit, and you're just you're playing percentages, and you have one or two guys that can just be a difference maker like that, you know? Whereas the Prem is slow, slow, really fast, slow, slow, really fast, you know? And, and the average teams that come up can't kind of cope with that change in pace, change in quality. Do you feel like in the Prem you have to be switched on for 90 minutes, whereas Championship, maybe you can switch off for five or ten minutes here and there people miss chances yeah. you get opportunities just yeah. to like bunker in they can't break you down if you've got a decent shape yeah. Prem they break you down they work you quicker yeah. so if you've got a weak right side that team on the Saturday will just destroy your right side you know yeah. like it just it's the most ruthless league in the world it's, yeah. it's mentally the toughest league to play in in the world I think and I, I don't know how I'm qualified to say that I've never played in my league I've been this league but it's relentless the, yeah. the scrutiny and the pressure on to perform at, at that level of intensity because yeah. none of the leagues are as, are as intense in the Premier League yeah. none of them and, and, and so that's what makes it tough for me it's, it's sort of like a different argument but you can get by in a championship through spirit and togetherness and one or two good players and the Prem it takes like it's so much more complex sure uh, so you went to Wigan for a yeah. season but you had limited time you went back then and you played with Gary yeah what, what, he was club captain club captain yep so why do you think you you were only there for a season why was that so just limited uh, Brian Laws and I never really got on yeah. like anything happens a new manager comes in he wants a new captain I was never going to like hang around anywhere I'm sure if I was captain I, I need to stay captain or I need to go so I could see that riding a lot. Again, I was injured with bad injuries, to be fair to him. I had my, my adductors and that were a mess, so I missed a lot of football in that Premier League season. Yeah. Um, and I barely trained, I probably missed six months. And I was getting fit near the end of the season, played some games, and when Ozzy said there was no contract there, and that was fine, I accepted that. I kind of needed to move in, and I thought, I'll pick someone up. I nearly went to Leeds, I nearly went to somewhere else, I think. And then it dried up, and it went into July, and I started to panic. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm 29, 30 at this point. Yeah, uh, got family. Yeah, I yeah. was worried. Yeah. And Chef Webb came in, Alan Irvine, who was my coach at Newcastle, Newcastle yeah. wanted me, but they were League One, they were top League One, and I'm like, oh, I don't like what League One. And then I got the opportunity to train at Wigan, and it was through Gary's connection. Rivera needed a, a third or fourth centre half. Titus was there, Gary was there. Gary was injured with his hips. Yeah. Uh, Alcaraz just came in from yeah. Paraguay. Yeah. Gahuri. And we ended up buying a young Spanish lad, Adrian Lopez. So I went and I trained, and Roberto liked what I brought. Um, and he gave me a year contract, and I had to kind of play some games to get up to a level of money that was what I needed. But I trusted you, but he said, trust me, just let me get you in the door. I'll look after you, you'll play the games, you'll be fine. And 
I'm glad I did because I learnt a lot at Wigan, but I also learnt a lot about myself. I learnt so much about football and the way it's played. Roberto changed a lot of things that I thought. Yeah. He is smart a smart manager. He is an incredibly astute manager, a, a true student of the game, what tactically. How does it feel seeing him in the World Cup for Belgium? It was great. It was. I was really not being condescending, but proud of him. Did you, you know? Did you kind of see that when you were? He's tactically the best manager I've ever worked with, right. comfortably. Yeah. Um, his sessions are incredible. Yeah. He does things that are different. Like we played that two strikers at wide against Chelsea, mm. uh, Wigan. I wasn't playing. We went Stamford Bridge, and he asked Zorbi and Wade Eger to, to play as a two, but to to play wide. Play wide. Stretch. And we were like. We couldn't believe it. We were like, this guy's lost his warmups, you know. But we trusted them enough. We played it and we gave them a lot. They beat us 1 0, but we, we've got 1v1s all the time. Yeah, yeah. The set of halves, you know, Charles would get it, he'd run it, whoever, uh, Carvalho or, uh, and Terry, and it worked. We lost 1 0. And then to see him then do that same thing for Belgium against Brazil was like amazing, you know. And everybody's like, ah, what's, what's going on here? And I'm like, he's done this before. So it's an interesting question. So we're talking about tactics. Yeah. There's a trend to kind of go from back four to back three, uh-huh. three centre halves. So as a centre half, it, yeah. How difficult is it to play with as a three yeah. in a centre, a three centre half rather than just a two of you where you can yeah you can it, figure out like okay you're gonna drop I'm yeah. gonna stay out. It's difficult. It's just a different tactical concept, you yeah. know. And if you have a, a top coach. You learn it if you've got the capabilities to, to learn it and I don't think it's that difficult and I think in modern football you have to be capable of changing yeah. uh, during a game even, never mind from game to game yeah, yeah. and you see, we see it all the time now, I mean I'm sure you've watched that Man City thing that I, yeah. in the middle of it yeah. and Pep say to them, you know, if they show us this we're a three, if they show us this we're a four, you know, yeah. so they guys are elite level, they're going to that part knowing that doesn't matter. We can, change. We, can, we can alter and we can adapt. So I always say on on my shows and that now formations are irrelevant these days. We're yeah. still so prefixed. We're like putting up four four two. You know, yeah. it's not four four two. It's like four five one when they're defending. It's four four two diet. Like it's uh, they're so malleable in the top teams that yeah. we still have to like put up that formation. I, I get it. It's just the kind of teach the kind of viewer that uh, they're in this sort of shape but these teams defend in one shape and they attack in another shape and often they change that multiple times during a game and, and Roberto was a kind of start of that for me you know he was the first guy that was saying things like that really getting incisive with his tactics and how he wanted us to de- defend in certain areas against certain teams and, and attack in certain areas and I, I'm not surprised at all that what he did with Belgium were like a really talented bunch of guys and like it's very hard to win and at that level the margins are slim and they could easily win the World Cup. They could easily win it, yeah. Easily. Uh, Okay, so you went to Birmingham, uh, you had a good experience, Europa League. Yeah. How was that playing in Europa League? Uh, Fantastic. Um, I went because I wanted to play. I found it again about myself that I needed, I needed to play football. Yeah. I was the player enough at Wigan. It was a stopgap year. I learned. I had a great experience. I trained every day, which is how I hadn't done this previous year. I needed to prove to people that I was like yeah. back. Yeah. Um, and 
there was something that happened at Christmas at Wigan that I want to tell quickly where we had just got a draw nil nil whatever and then we had had a certain tactic of passing the ball like Roberto likes and I'd kind of went against that a little bit to get the result we had to squeeze up the pressure was high and I decided it was better that we just kind of went tight and Roberto dropped me for the next game and I know why now is because yeah. I did me like stick to his tactics yeah. and at the time I didn't get it because I just got a clean sheet but when you play that kind of football you need players who are completely committed if some guy goes against it for yeah. a good for whatever reason whatever reason yeah it's good yeah. so he dropped me and I was like so angry we went to Wolves I think he played Gary actually Gary had been back from his hips but he had pulled his hamstrings and, yeah. and Gaz came in and I said to Roberto told me three years before the game at pre-match and I said to him uh, okay I'm angry but this game is so important for us it's done I'm there I'm committed tell me what you need I'm on the bench whatever you need I'm there I'm in the dressing room for you uh, and it took it took experience and, and, and maturity to say that because I was livid back when I was 25 I would have yeah, been yeah. strong yeah. Um, anyway he came me two days later and he said whatever I can do for you in the future I'll be there like what you did was like so mature and showed the guy you are and I thought wow that was pretty nice I thought it was just a line you know so when I signed for Birmingham Chris Hewitt phoned me up and he said before I signed I want to speak to you Roberto Martinez has been on the phone, he's told me I should sign you at all costs, I should build my whole team around you as a, as a leader. And I couldn't believe it and I thought, well, that's why you like, yeah. that's why you're professional. It's so easy to like throw the, the toys at the pram but that little bit had obviously had an effect on him and he then really helped me with a manager and, and yeah, he got yeah. me the deal I wanted and the, you know. So I went to Birmingham and Chris was fantastic. We had a great bunch there again. I see you, you said in a couple of interviews that you think he's your best manager you've ever had. He's my favourite. He's your favourite manager. Aye, he's my favourite. And, and you've had a lot of I know. impressive managers over the years. He's my favourite. And Roberto, I just told you, is tactically the best. And Ryan Nelson's like my best friend. And Kenny's my hero. And like... Yeah. There's so and Mick's like I got so much respect for Mick. You got Walter Smith in there. Walter was like Craig Brown on a pedestal for me. Craig yeah. Brown taught me like so I you take up even Roy like yeah. as much as I dislike a lot of things about him. I pick up things about him as well. What to do, what not to do, and yeah. I, you have to go into everything with that mindset. But Chris had a little bit of everything. I had a great deal of respect for him. Yeah, he was a, a good man manager. Yeah, he had the right distance between friendship and. We weren't his mate, but we, but we yeah. all respected him, and he could talk to us all. Tactically, he was astute. We were set up like it was. He was a great guy to play centre half for because we were just perfect and set up. We did set plays all the time. We'd yeah. be moaning yeah. about it every Friday and every Monday. But when it came to set plays in the game, we couldn't get past us. Either good partnership with Curtis, yeah. with a solid team. We'd be winning one 0 with like 55th minute, and yeah. you'd be thinking, you'd, you'd get the thought in your head, but you think we're not going to lose this game. Yeah. Nobody's going to score against us, you know. So it was one of the, the best years of my life in football because the Europa League, because of the quality of the guys, because of the quality of the team, and because of Chris. Yeah. And I'll, I'll always remember that year. And he's another guy that you know I don't speak to him a lot, but. I know if I'm looking for him and I need a reference or I need a summon, he'll be there for He's you. there for me yes. because he's a good guy. There's not 
that should many never good been. guys in the game, you know. Newcastle should never have let him go. Never. He's a big
he needs me. He needs yeah. me, you yeah. know, or yeah. somebody like me. He doesn't need me. A that's, half or a that's pass the difference, half. isn't yeah. it? Is like you can in MLS, you can tell the quality defenders yeah. when they come into the league, and you can see them. No, no disrespect yeah. to the league, but you can tell someone who has been trained in Europe and, and oh. has learned the way to defend. Yeah. I would. When John Terry was leaving Chelsea, even now, I yeah. think, if John Terry signed for any team in MLS, I'd make them strong favourites yeah. to win the, the Cup. Yeah. He's that good. Because he can organise the defence, he can structure it. It's a marathon move, he'll just yeah. get in the right areas and yeah. tell him where to go and he'll tell him where to go. And, you know, I, I'm not comparing myself to John Terry, I was never a player he was, but I had similar mindset and, and, yeah. and attributes in terms of leadership. And so when I came, I knew that I was capable of like getting the best of the guys and being Ryan's like guy on the field. And yeah. it was a nice little in-between role between the sort of, not that I was a coach, but I was sort of like his coach on the field. And yeah. I enjoyed that, I needed that at that point. Do you, uh, do you think it's easier to play for a manager who has been a defender as well? Uh, it depends. It depends. Uh, you can learn a lot. Um, in my mid thirties, it was great because he, we had played against each other. He respected me and what I brought. When I was 24 with Mick, it was difficult because again, I thought I knew everything about the game, and Mick was hard on me, and so he should have been because I had loads to learn. But it was more like that with Mick and I, you know. With Ryan and I, it was just like immediate friendship, you know. Every fella and of course. We had arguments. Of course. But we also then went and had a beer or had something yeah, yeah, yeah. as a family and yeah, you know, yeah. we were we were really close and I respect that guy so much. He is a sharp guy, yeah. he's got great knowledge on the game of football, but he's just a, a smart man. Yeah. Like, that guy could do he one of the guys he could have played cricket for New Zealand. Oh really? He went to Stanford, yeah. he got accepted into Harvard Law. He has a dot com business, he has a, 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 a winery. The guy's like an entrepreneur, he's like, you pick up, hey, you own a coffee shop, it'll be the best coffee shop in Toronto. He yeah. just, he's a special guy and um, and I just love the time that I spent with him and learned from him and helped him and uh, I'm so glad that I made that decision. And then, So now you're retired, yeah. working for TSN as an yeah. analyst, uh, how are you enjoying that? How are you enjoying I that enjoy process? it a lot. I really do. Um, nothing seems to be a natural, natural fit for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, you get better like anything. Uh, I'd say I was all right at the start. I guess there was enough potential to keep me in there and, and give me reps, but I've improved considerably, and I, I hope yeah. and think I've got a lot of improvement to do still. But I enjoy it. I, I, like yeah. it's fun. It's, yeah. I've, I've found another job that doesn't feel like work, which is yeah. just like the luckiest thing in the world, you know, people go through their lives doing horrible jobs and, and, and I've like got to 37 and I've never really worked a day in my life in, in, in my mind, you know, so yeah. I'm still in that process. I love football and I love all football, yeah. you know, so to me, I analyse a game for like what it is, you know, it, it doesn't matter to me if it's Champions League final and it's uh, Real Madrid against Juventus or if it's MLS and it's Colorado against Montreal, it, it's a game of football, game of football. and it's about one team's style against another team's style and what's yeah. needed to kind of break that down and you, that's what I'm into, you know. Have you read uh, Red Hullet's how to, how to Watch Football? No. Is it good? Fantastic. Is it? 
fantastic. It's changed, I mean, you get that. changed the way that I, I watch a game. Is that right? Because I mean, it makes that. you. He talks about the move, not the move that leads to the goal, uh, but the three moves before yeah. that. That is the turnover or the change yeah. or where the positioning is wrong by the player, right. which results in the opportunity. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's. It's a great read. Would, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that because I, I like the that. sound of that. Yeah, he's a very, very smart guy. It's like the tactics of the game. I sort of realised that more with Roberto, and since then I've been totally. I read all the pet books, and I'm fascinated by Pep, Pochettino, yeah. these guys. Yeah. Because, like you say, you see the goal and you're like, oh, that was a goal and that, but. You, to truly understand how that goal comes about, you need to understand the repetition of yeah. a certain style. The process and, that goes into making that goal. Exactly. And the style can be whatever you want. Like, yeah. To me, I love football. I want teams to play it because yeah. it looks great. But it can be a long ball and it can be... Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just fascinating to me to like go, okay, there's the identity of that team that's what they do and that's what they do well how am I going to beat that or how am I going to negate that that's fascinating to me and that's if I ever go into coaching or I'm ever a general manager or a president of a club if you come to my games and as my guest all I want to ask you at the end of the game is do my team have identity or are you like go look at my team going they don't do. understand what, what they're trying what to they're achieve. Trying, yeah. no, they're trying, you know, they try to get crosses in, they're trying to exactly. play long, they try to play it through the lines, like, that would destroy me. I just want my team to, like, right, that's what they do, and that's what they do well, you know, and there's not a lot of teams in the world that, that have that. No, no. It's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint their identity. If yeah. Would you consider management? No, your brother's, your brother's gone on that side. Are you, is that yeah. something you're looking um, at? I would, I certainly would. It's just, it's, it's, once you go down certain paths, it's difficult to kind of... To navigate away, yeah. Well, it's, it's, I've got a great job. I love my job. I love this city. Would I say no to a management job? No, I would do it. But I'm not looking, you know, and there's like thousands of guys that are. So yeah. it would need to be somebody that really believes in me and, and pick up the phone and go, right, we want you come in and, and run our club or, or yeah, coach yeah. our team. I would seriously consider it, but I'm not like out there, put my CV in, try to get this job and that job. I'm just, I am who I am, and like I say, I need somebody to like see someone of me on TV or know me or go like ah, This is a guy that I want to kind of. Re- so what are your uh, what are your thoughts on the Canadian Premier League? I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's the right thing for the pathway for yeah. young kids to have an opportunity to play. It's, it's not right that there's only three professional teams. Yeah. Um, it's going to have teeth and problems. Yeah. It's first, be, first four or five years are going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. Need people to stay committed to it. Yeah. Need to have some deep pockets to do that. Yeah. Um, and the Canada soccer needs to be very patient and, and very supporting, as well as. Concacaf, FIFA. Yes. Yeah. I think um, and FIFA are backing it very heavily, yeah. which is good. So. I, I worry about the, the geography of our country. It's like huge yeah. and it's scary um, and. There's not enough teams at the moment, so. No. But it's the right thing. We and, the, need. and the World Cup coming to Canada, are you excited about that? Yeah, that's amazing. That's looking forward to taking the kids to that? Yeah, they've actually asked me already. I said to them, you might be playing in it. Yeah. And they said, uh, well, for England. And that is like, that is my, Scotland, Canada, that's and then England. Your that heart was, just, I was like, your heart what? broke. No. I said the day are that you, are that your, bo- your boys were born in England? They were born in England. Um, and they've been here 
obviously five years and they're nearly they'll be permanent residents they'll be um, citizens citizens probably hopefully before that, that comes around yeah. so they'll, they'll have the option um, and I, I was very excited that day personally because we have the World Cup at TSN yeah. and what's going to come and uh, I said to him you know you could play on that and I went for England and I'm like oh, oh my heart just sunk but that's that's what it does to anybody between the age of 10, yeah, exactly. 10 and 20 um, alright so Scotland yeah 12 caps yeah should be more yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I was, again, pretty unlucky. Um, a lot of injuries along the way. Injuries and just like stop-start and I think never played in Scotland affected me a little bit. Um, and obviously never really been top sort of England, you know, like I never, there was never a point in England where I was getting like real attention for my play. Yeah. Um, and I was in a lot of squads. Yeah. So I probably went away with Scotland. Oh, I'm just guessing that 40 times yeah. and played 12. You know. Yeah. So um, the start was amazing. It came. I was with the 21s. I played in Poland. Yeah. And you weren't supposed to play that game, were you? I don't you know were... if I played for Newcastle at that point. Yeah, yeah. I was with the 21s. Got called up for injuries. Sat in the bench. Think it's a great experience. And Craig put me on in like 60th minute. So yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like. You, you didn't go in centre back, you went at centre mid. Centre mid, centre mid. Man, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Craig's like, I can't remember his name. I was thinking about it last week. Like, I need to find out who that guy was. He said, go on and pick up that big guy, big tall midfielder. He's a good player. Yeah. And um, I went on and I marked him. I think I probably touched the ball about six times or something like that. But yeah. I certainly wasn't in the ball. I was on there to negate the guy. And yeah. I think we got a draw. So. Um, what about playing with uh, playing alongside Gary? How how was that? Well, it's a highlight, my my career. Yeah, yeah. Because you played you played alongside at Wigan, but and uh, but did you like? Is it is it different? It's different feeling when you're going on the national show. It's amazing. So we we went through the our youth levels and then we got to 21s yeah. and there was big discussions when we would play together for 21s because we were with the first brothers and. Yeah, I think there's only five brothers that played for Scotland. Yeah, and 21s was a big feat because, again, that hadn't happened very often. But we always were thinking we'll play together at the national team. And the Shaw brothers and 60-something or that, I think. Yeah, I I had his uh, uh, Ferguson's, Derek and Barry. Right. Uh, But did they play together? No, I, I don't think... No, they didn't play together. Yeah, so uh, I think we're the only brothers. The only brothers to play together, I think. Since the Shaw brothers. Since think, the Shaw brothers. I think they did. Anyway, it was some crazy start, and we were like pushing for that. We wanted that, yeah. and we um, there was a couple like near misses where I ones on the bench, and yeah, yeah. there was one game at Easter Road. I think they played Trinidad and Tobago. Summertime, the gas came off, and I went on, and all like, So it was like yeah. really close. And then uh, we, we played together in, in Moldova, which was a really bittersweet experience. Like, all our experiences together yeah. were pretty bittersweet. Yeah. Because the two big ones were Moldova and a qualifier. Is that a draw, 1-1 one, one draw? Horrendous game. Horrendous game, End yeah. of Bertie's reign. Gas yeah. played right back, up with centre half. We drew. And they were a good side, and it was a horrible place to go. And we won the great. But everybody's like, oh, Scotland will beat Moldova 3-0, you know. Um, and we'll get to the airport, and we were lined, the fans were lined up at the airport, basically hurling abuse at 
Bertie and us. And it was, it was pretty nasty. Yeah. And then Norway was another one where it was just a disaster. We started the game well, a big qualifier. 4 0? 4 0 defeat? Yeah. Guys got sent I remember off. That again. I got injured. Yeah. We were getting pellets for that as well. So it was like, kind of like, <laughs> it never really happened for us, you know, yeah. in terms of like the, the, the kind of adulation of success. But I don't care, like, it's an experience I'll never forget. Like, yeah. standing there in the national anthem with your brother, is, it just cannot be beaten. So, uh, so you, you said you made your debut at a really yeah. young age. So John Suter and Jack Henry are in the squad uh-huh. for the upcoming games against Belgium and Albania, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. How, do, how do you think they're going to get on, like, the transition from under-21s to full full national team? It's is, is, it a, is it a big jump? It is a big jump. Right. It is a big jump. Cause 21 sort of feels like reserve football, right. you know. It has that same kind of lack of intensity, you know. It's quality and it's it's a step and it's... Um, I loved playing with the 21s, I really did. We had a pretty good side, but it's a big jump to go up to there. And I actually don't know a lot about the day players. One thing that I can't keep up with the Scotland's and yeah. so many other things to watch. Hey, it's difficult to get a hold of here as well. The lad Henry... Guys tried to get him at Wigan, yeah. so I'm on a group chat with our pals in Scotland, and they were going back and forth and talking about him. And guys was saying he liked him and uh, tried to get him at Wigan and stuff. So I, I assume he's a good player. So I've heard a little bit about, and I've not had the chance to see them play that much. But it's great that these young lads are getting a chance. I watched Scotland Peru in my preparation for the World Cup for Peru. I watched a little bit of Scotland Mexico. And it was a great trip to get these guys in before yeah. we would have took the old guys and it was just yeah, yeah. You know, we're like we're thinking ahead, get these guys into these environments. What, that, bl- blooding them in, yeah, get them in now, right? Let them experience it. Do so you think we have a better chance in the nation with the nation league than I mean their previous time? Hopefully. Hopefully. It's still yeah. difficult to qualify, but it's still difficult. It's still uh, there's still gonna be intense competition and and Europe's getting tougher and tougher. It's, it's just yeah. the way it is. You, you, you know, it's better you're playing against your level, but yeah. your level's pretty good, you know, and, and we should get closer games between all the teams, which I think is better for the friendlies. It's, it's been shit for a while, so it's, yeah. it's good that we're going to get, like... Well, we need to qualify. We something. need to qualify. Um, we need to put that ghost of behind us we've well, sort of been close and then a manager's left and then nothing's really built I was a bit disappointed in what happened with Gordon because I really thought Gordon was a man to take them on and I know at the end we've got a lot of steel but I know Gordon well too guys and I was gutted that I never worked out I was really rooting for him and thought it would work um, and I don't know Alec we'll see what happens but he had done it before he'd been yeah. I thought we should have went young and different and fresh and yeah. my brother was interested in being part of that and helping them so maybe I'm biased but I do think we should have went with somebody with new ideas yeah. that was young that was going to like try and a like bit a, like England did Derek McInnes yeah Derek would have been great yeah. Derek with Gary beside him I think someone like that might have been good, a bit of a succession plan, because we forget that, I don't think England played great for about the World Cup, but no. they're on the right path, and they're playing some young lads, and they'll get better, because Southgate's a student in the game, and yeah. he'll analyse what happened in that Croatia yeah. game, and he'll see that they stop passing the ball, yeah. and next time, he'll insist, because John Stones is the only lad that's trying to pass the ball, and we forget that Southgate 
essentially came through that system. Yeah, yeah, he built, so, he helped build the 21 the team. The same kind of thing yeah. should be happening with us. We should have that young two or three guys in whatever levels. Maybe it's Scott Gemmell. Well, that's what I thought. Maybe Scott yeah. Gemmell should should take the step up, pull that 21 team into yeah. the national team and build. So let's get three or four guys that, 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 we, that we think might be the future. Yeah. We don't know, but we think, and let's keep pushing them up, pushing them on, developing them, getting them into these coaching things so that it gets to a point where Scott or Gary or whoever's ready to go, you're the yeah. man. You how, uh, how nervous were you watching the England semi-final of the World Cup? So I'm like... <laughs> I only cared about me, yeah. <laughs> which is big numbers. <laughs> so I wanted England to get through because there'd be six or seven million people watching that game yeah. in Canada. And I was getting carried away with my buddies who are both English. So I was kind of rooting for them, but it's nice to root for England because you can never really root for them. Can you never you? really. <laughs> so I, just, I, I don't mind England winning a World Cup. Yeah. My dad's English. Yeah. I don't mind them winning a the World Cup. I just don't want to hear about it from yeah. the media for 40 years. Well, the good thing was we won me there. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't really hear about it, but yeah. I imagine it was just unbearable speaking to people at home or yeah. telling me that. And I thought that... Um, I thought they were going to do it, to be honest, and they, they moved away from the principles that sort of got them there. You look back, when you analyse it, Panama and Tunisia were two of the four worst teams. Yeah. Uh, they didn't really Panama get challenged in the, the group stage. And then they had the yeah. nothing game against Belgium. Yeah. And they did very well against, I thought they did really well for a half against Colombia, maybe 60 yeah. minutes. Then it became nasty and they'd done well to get through and then they played really well against Sweden. Yeah. And then they let themselves down against Kusha because they went away for their principle. Yeah. I, I think they'll be better for that yeah. because I, I don't think they'll do that again. I think Southgate will be like, we need to pass the ball. Yeah. They kept going long and I, I thought John Stones were the best player at the tournament. He was the only one that was still trying to pass yeah. the ball. Alright, some, some last uh, quick hits. Right. Uh, team you'd love to play for now? Now? And it, oh. You're still in your prime, who would you love to play for? Uh, one of the two Spanish sides, probably. Barca or Real? Yeah, it's tough for me to pick. Barca. You know Man City? You want to play for Pep? Yeah, but I just would love to have played in Spain or Italy or, right. or something like that. So even Bayern Munich. I'd, I'd, I'd pick, if I could get one team to play for, I'd always pick a, a European team. Uh, Hardest opponent to play against? Um, Thierry Henry. Thierry Easily. Technically everything. Brilliant. Just amazing. Mentality, everything. And I played against them a lot yeah. uh, throughout his career, even in MLS, which was a great experience because we were both getting old and the gap was getting less as Thierry wasn't like superhuman. But he scored four against us at Leeds. Yeah, yeah. He was a ridiculous player. Could not mark him. Like, he'd drop off, he'd get the ball, he'd turn it to you, you go too tight, spin you, he was just like, he was everything. Uh, financial fair play, good good for the game? Good. Very good. Do you think it's game. working? No, not as well as it should. It needs to be tight. I think there's too many loopholes to get yeah. around it. Um, I think we need to tighten them down, but I, I do agree with it. It's ridiculous that the super teams just get bigger and bigger. And then lastly, uh, changes in football. So you've kind of seen a change in the way that football's been run. It's, yeah. it's very much a business yeah. nowadays. A lot more analytical stuff coming yeah. in, a lot more science coming into the game. Yeah. Do you think that's benefiting players or do you think that's... I think it's benefiting. I still have 
um, an old fashioned romantic, I still think that there's something that can be quantified in the sport and yeah. in football for sure. Um, in any team game really to be honest and I think it comes to intuition, heart, head how do we quantify that? It's impossible but I do think that analysis should be used to um, to, to complement what your recruitment team thinks is very, very important and I, I love the fact that we're getting very specific and modern with the game. Perfect. Stephen Caldwell, thank you very much. Thanks, thank Pleasure. you very much. Pleasure.